All right, are we all ready? Now I gotta remember what I say. <laughs> Hi, this is Kirsten Gregs, the Trap Recruiter. My pronouns are she, her, and John. Welcome to HR Wonder Women with Wendy and Ann. Hang on, because this is going to be a exciting show. Hello, welcome to the latest edition of HR Wonder Women. I'm your host, Wendy, and with me as always is Anne. How are you doing, Anne? I am doing well. I think I started this evening a wee bit frazzled, but I'm feeling like I got myself together now, and I am good to go, and I'm super excited about our conversation tonight. Awesome. I am too. This is going to be a, a, a fantastic conversation. Um, I'm excited to uh, have Kirsten, the trap recruiter, on the show. So good to see your face. It's been a while. I've tried a couple of times. We'll we'll get there. Um we will make it happen. We'll make it sure. happen. Um, so today, like I said, excited to welcome Kirsten Greggs to the show. But first, we do begin, um, as we always do, by sharing how we identify so that our listeners will better understand the lens through which we see the world. Um, so I'm Wendy. I am white, straight, cisgender, female, Christian, and non-disabled. How about you, Anne? Uh, pretty much the same. Yes, I am a white, cisgender, straight, non-disabled woman. Yeah, I think that that about covers it. Um, <laughs> Name the privilege. Uh, and, yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of privilege. Um, kind of, if you can think of areas of privilege, um, we I pretty much hold them. Um, and that's important because if you don't name that privilege, then <clears throat> you become blind to how it influences the way that you're seeing the world. And when you can name it, it's still there, but it helps to be able to... Um, kind of filter and make sure that you're not letting it, that it doesn't just, that it doesn't become the prism of how you see the world, right. that it's privilege that you hold, but you can see the world more clearly. Exactly. So. We have to be able to identify and control it. Yep. So with that, I am super excited to introduce Kirsten Greggs. Kirsten is the uh, talent acquisition consultant and career coach. In 2017, she founded Trap Recruiter LLC to do her part to bring trust, relationship building, accountability, and a proactive approach back into the recruiting life cycle. She engages with a broader audience via her blog as a guest speaker, as a guest on various podcasts, facilitating workshops and training, and as creator of the hashtag recruiter problems meme series. Um, Kristen, welcome to the show. We are so excited to have you here. Um, uh, sometimes we have guests that I have never had a chance to interact with. Um, you are somebody that I've had opportunity to talk with at various times. Um, and so I am super excited because I already know that you're a wonderful, amazing woman. Um, oh, thank you. <laughs> so we're going to jump right into the first question, um, which is a question we always ask our guests. We know that intersectionality matters. It's the reason we do the podcast. Uh, we all have many ways in which we identify and different parts of our, identi our, of our identity matter more in some spaces than others. So when thinking about this conversation tonight, how do you identify? And you've already shared your pronouns, but tell us a little bit more about your pronouns because you also shared one that Wendy and I have never heard before. <laughs> Okay, so I'm going to follow your lead in how, how I introduce myself and then go in a little bit more why I always start with, I am a Black woman. Um, my pronouns are she and her, or as Tarana Burke said, her, she, like the bar, <laughs> which I love, but I'm not stealing it, so I'm giving her credit for that. And then um, I mentioned that, you know, people call me John. I don't take that as a derogatory term, um, like the B word or the N word or anything like that. But coming from South Jersey, spending a great deal of time in Philly, like John is like one of those colloquialisms um, that women are, you know, like you're a adjective John, like I'm a Jersey John, I'm a bougie John, I'm a bad John, bold, authentic, and driven, all of those things. So um, I like to use that because it keeps me connected to my, you know, my home base. And again, I don't mind it. And it's, and it's the way we, it's the way I've always talked and the way I've always been. Um, I am also a Christian, but I go even further than that. I'm AME, African Methodist Episcopal. Um, we are the oldest, um, Black religion in the country. It started by Richard Allen. 
we just have Founders Day on February 14th. See, I'm so... I'm older. Um, I'm not a millennial. I am a Gen X, uh, but I do have uh, millennial tendencies. Uh, What else? I am single. I don't have children, um, which also shapes the way that I navigate the world. I don't have any uh, other abilities physically, but I do manage depression. That's about it. Oh, and I have gray hair, which I dye a lot. <laughs> Join the club. Yeah. You know, I will tell you, Kirsten, and Wendy knows this. If you only see me a couple of times a year, you never know what color my hair is going to be at any given time. Um, and a lot of that is I don't actually remember my natural hair color, but you're never going to see it anymore. <laughs> never going to see it anymore. Too much gray uh, there now. Yeah. I hear you. I um, so I guess the reason why I would say um, – I think you guys asked me like how I identify and why. Um, I identify as a as a black woman first and foremost, um, and it's because it shapes the way that I navigate the other parts of my identity. As I mentioned, I'm AME. Um, you know, I, I'm single. I'm a, I'm a woman. I'm a John. I'm <laughs> I'm you know I'm I'm gen I'm Generation X. You know there are things that that go along with that in my experience living that as a black woman Mm -hmm. so you know you can say first and you know first point one or first and a half you know with the woman thing because I think as a black woman we don't have the luxury um and, and that might not even be the right word but we can't separate our race and our ethnicity from our gender when we are talking about intersectionality. Um, and for me personally, I'm unwilling to do that and I'm unapologetic about doing that. You know, all of those other things are secondary. Like you wouldn't know that I'm heterosexual by just looking at me or by looking at the the people that I interact with the most either. Um, you can't make judgments about, you know, whether or not um, I go to church. Yes, I identify as something, but I don't go to church as much as I used to. And I'm exploring other parts, um, you know, of my spirituality. People wouldn't know that I manage depression because when I go outside, you know, I'm on 110. When I'm on the phone with a candidate or I'm talking to a hiring manager in the, in the process of doing my job, I am you know, on a hundred percent and I'm giving you all that I've got, but trust and believe there are days that I get off the phone or I leave a meeting and have to run into the bathroom and cry um, because I'm so stressed out. Um, I think back to a women's, um, to a, a equal pay day event that I did uh, last April. And I was having, a, I was in the middle of like a two day panic attack and no one knew, but you know, I had to call my my therapist and like, how do I do? Like, how do I manage this? How do I get through this? I have to go stand in front of a bunch of people. I have people depending on me. I have these things I'm, I'm going to do. So there are parts of my identity that I can put away, but I can't put away Kirsten as a black woman. I just, I, I don't, I don't have that. I don't have that privilege. Um, and, and being a part of another marginalized group Say, for instance, um, you know, I was uh, an atheist or I was um, I was I I, my religion was Islam. Uh, Say, for example, that was the case. You know, those are things that would be, you know, be other things. But again, no one would know those things unless I unless I expressly expressly mention them. And on top of that, if I wasn't a black woman and say I was a a white a a white woman (laughs) or um, a white Hispanic woman, uh, a a gay black man, <laughs> I would not, you know, I, I would have other parts of my, you know, other parts of my identity that don't necessarily make me an ally for black women. Um, if that makes sense. Um, I feel like black women are the most marginalized. Um, and like I said, it's because we just, we can't separate the two as, as much as we would like. There's no way to make one more important than the other. So they're, they're equally important to me. I think that's, you know, one of the things that we kind of talk about a lot here is that visible, um, the visible differences, because it's important to Mm -hmm. to notice that there's a lot of hidden um, diversity and, and I can't, it was a while ago, it came up where they were talking about, you know, you can have 12 white blonde haired men sitting around a table and they're all going to have different experiences. So you have that diversity of thought, you know, and, and uh, <laughs> even at the time I'm, I'm like rolling my eyes, 
but, so I, I do have to ask because you brought up the color and that's, and how important it is. It, it's important to have that visible, the, the visible diversity as well as the mental diversity. Cause yeah, Anne and I have different experiences and, but we're still two white women. So we're still walking through the world in the same manner. Right. So talk a little bit. Um, uh, see, I mean, Anne, I'm going off script here. <laughs> I know. I love it. Talk, I love let's talk it. a little bit about that, the, the diverse, the, why it's so important to have that visible diversity. Because people, it, because it, it takes time to build relationships and it takes time um, to get to a, for, for lack of a better word, comfort level. Like when I walk into a room and I see someone like me, I see someone that someone that has one of those things that I can latch onto visibly. Like if I walked into a room with 11 white men and you or Anne was in there, I would probably initially gravitate to one of you. If I walked into a room where it was all, um, you know, where it was 10 older people, and one person who looked like they were around my age, I would probably gravitate to them. If I walked into a room full of black people, I'm probably going to feel safe. And I'm just, I'm, I'm being honest. I was asked that question before um, when I was still in corporate America by the vice president of HR, we were designing a group for we were designing a talent uh, development group that was going to cater to increasing, you know, our diversity pipeline and getting more people who were already employees of the company, you know, into more leadership positions. And initially, it was set up where they wanted it to be. It, it, it started a year before with some Black people being brought into a cohort, um, and I was one of them, and no one was allowed to know about it. And this was supposed to be the second stage of that and we were going to extend it you know to people that you know didn't have to have that you know keep it to yourself don't talk about this because it it was mostly like hr people and or again senior leaders so when it got out to the rest of the people they decided to open it up to everyone and you know as i'm sure you, you just rolled your eyes <laughs> you guys didn't see but Anne just rolled her eyes <laughs> Well, like you can tell, you know what's coming. You know what's yeah, coming. Yeah, you know what's coming. So it, it became it became heavily white women. You know, some younger white women. You know, and some younger white men that they were that they you know escalated put into this to this program. But I was asked, you know, well, if we kept it all black, you know, like Kirsten, because this person probably didn't remember that he that he had met me before. We worked in different offices, and um, maybe I didn't sound black enough for him. But we were on the phone, so he's like, well, Kirsten, how would you feel if you walked into a room with, you know, all Black people? And I said, you know, I would feel safe. And he was stunned because, again, the other people on the phone, he knew they were Black leaders because they were on his team. They, you know, they were his either his peers or they reported to him. He did not realize that I was not his quote unquote, you know, I wasn't going to support or be his, be his ally. I was going to be someone else's. So I, I find that that is, uh, that, that's been my experience. That's been my experience several times. So I do think the visual thing, it 100%, it, it matters to me. Um, and I think it matters to others who, who are, um, you know, not, I don't want to use that term. That probably sounds, that's going to sound bad. Who aren't like, who don't look what, is different about them, if that makes sense. I think so. Yeah. I mean, we've talked. So, for example, you've talked about um, managing depression, right? So that's like mm -hmm. a hidden. That's a hidden disability. So it doesn't. It yeah. doesn't. You never lead with that unless you choose to lead with that. Yeah, and I don't even. And maybe that's part of it. Like we haven't been socialized to think of depression or anxiety as a disability, mm -hmm. um, you know, or an illness. Or, or even a health concern when it comes to, you know, when, when I think, because when we think about disability, we think about someone who, you know, has a physical impairment. And, and let's be clear, like, depression does cause physical mm -hmm. things to come up. But it, again, like, I'm, I'm not going to you know, go into a different um, bathroom because of it. You know, like I, there are there are certain things that are like I'm not going to to take advantage of, and it's and because of the stigma associated with it, um, 
while I don't have a problem discussing it, I, I don't shy away from it. I talk about it um, as much as I can because I think it helps other people. Um, and, and it allows other people to open up to me. And again, to take that, oh my God, like, you know, like, thank you for saying that because I needed to hear that because this is what I'm going through. And especially as a recruiter, I have to be careful because people do dump so much on you and people put so so much of their, what's going on in their lives personally on you that um, I, I have to be able to, you know, take my own time and, and come back to myself um, enough. And I am, I'm comfortable enough to say, listen, I'm below the line today. And I, these are the things that I can't handle. He, these are my boundaries for today. Like I will have to deal with this another time. I'm not, I'm not cool with that. I think it's good to, to be able to have those conversations. And I'm glad that you're, you're being a part of having them out there. Um, as a fellow Gen Xer. Um. <laughs> <laughs> We're the best. Like, let's just be- can we, just, can we just put it out there that Gen X is the best? Oh, you kid. All right. And you're close. You're close. <laughs> I'm, I'm being very silent. <laughs> I'm close. <laughs> you're a baby, baby Technically, boomer. I am a boomer. I'm going to say you have to be a cusper, though. I am on the, t- I am, I'm in, I'm on the tail end, but I am definitely um, pretty much any, any way you see the things done, I'm always, yeah, I'm, I'm the end of boomers. All right. So... We'll we'll move on because we've got so much to cover. This is going to be so, I'm just loving the conversation already. Um, so Kirsten, Trap Recruiter's mission is actively focused on bridging the gap between the job seeker and organizations committed to attracting, hiring, developing, and retaining diverse talent. It is. That's a lot. <laughs> Tell us more about the gap and how, and what bridging the gap means to you. Okay, so we know that there's a wage gap, um, a gender wage gap. We know that there's a uh, a racial equity gap. Uh, we know that there is an abilities gap. Um, we know that there is an an age gap um, between you know boomers are not leaving the workforce, and there's not a lot of jobs for. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I wish you guys You've been, been waiting. Like, been I wish waiting you guys waiting, waiting. <laughs> Yeah, there are still some people that are, you know, that are in the workforce and, you know, those of those that are younger, um, even below millennials are having difficult time, you know, make, you know, squeezing themselves into into the workforce. Um, But I think they're. I, I hear people always say, oh, make, you know, make room or take up space. But, you know, sometimes people have to move out of the way for you to have some room. Like I'm not squeezing in there. I'm no, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not squeezing in there. So I'm not going to expect somebody else to like for, force their way into a place that, that they're either not wanted or they're not, they're not going to be accepted. And this came, I've been a recruiter for 20 years. Um, I was fortunately laid off in 2016 from a very homogeneous industry. Um, I was a defense and intel recruiter and all of the people looked exactly the same. There was diversity in the sense that, you know, we hire a lot of veterans. We hire a lot of people with security clearances. And in this area, um, you know, they come in all shapes, sizes, forms, religions and all that. So, you know, there was there was some it was it was it's not a lot. It's it's still limited. But, you know. I, we were hitting our quote unquote numbers um, in terms of diversity hiring. But if, if I'm going to be 100 percent honest, uh, the bar was set kind of low. Um, and then we used internship programs to bring in to bring in younger people and could not figure out why they just would not stay past, you know, the two year mark um, or past the one year mark or past whatever mark they needed to get to to maintain their sign on bonuses and get their clearances and move along and, you know, chuck the deuces to us. So when I got laid off, I was able to see uh, what was going on outside of me and outside of recruit of outside of the recruiters that I worked with every day, the recruiters that I trained, the recruiters that I poured into, the recruiters that, you know, I shared with and that, you know, that taught me. Um, And we sucked. Like, (laughs) it was bad. It was bad. It was still on this recruiters are arrogant, recruiters are 
you know, useless. They don't know anything. They're, they're used car salesmen. There was a lot of that going on. And like I said, me having matured, even coming out of a staffing company into my, you know, into corporate America, um, you know, we had matured. Like now, like we were like, you know, 30 plus and 40 plus year old people that I started with. So, you know, <laughs> we're not the same as these younger people, but what we didn't do was make, you know, make sure that they weren't still doing these, these silly things. Um, so I, I needed to be honest about how I was navigating um, the job search for myself, um, calling out the things that, that I was seeing. And I started to do that. And I started to do that more authentically and help other people do that. Um, because even when I was working inside of organizations, I could do some of that, you know, when we were descoping programs, I was the one they sent to, you know, BFE to, uh, you know, help people with their resume and, you know, teach the hiring managers, you know, how to, how to, you know, talk to their employees and how to look for a new job, how to interview the new people and all, all of that stuff. But outside of that, I wasn't, I couldn't be a hundred percent honest, you know, cause there's a lot of times where like, I knew people weren't going to get hired, but I can't, I'm not going to say that, you know, like I know who the hiring manager is going to hire before they, you know, before they, I'd rather, you know, the old way days when I used to, they used to walk up to me with a piece of paper and just slide it across my desk and say, okay, make this happen. Like, just let's do that. Like, let's not play, let's not pretend. So I have the unique, I, I was given the unique opportunity to talk about what really goes on, um, you know, as a recruiter and as a, um, as a candidate, as a job seeker. And that's why I want to bring these, bring folks together so we can all see <laughs> my, uh, <laughs> bridge the gap or at least, at least, yeah. At least hold one another accountable. Because, like, don't get me wrong, I'm not going to beat up on recruiters because job seekers are 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 not the best either. Um, but I want us. There is a anyone that comes across my path that wants help for me or that even wants to listen to me. You know, I hope they can take away that I'm trying to make everybody better. I mean, I think you know, job seekers. That's not how. That's not how you spend your whole career, right? Like a handful of times during your career, you need to look for a job. And so that's the, you know, I, there's such a difference, the skill of job searching and the skill of being able to do the mm -hmm. job are two different things. And frankly, for hiring managers, right, the skill of being able to identify who will be good on your team versus the skill of being able to manage, and we won't even talk about managers having training on how to manage. Um, so I mean, I think recruiters play such an important role there, because they're the ones that are doing this all the time and actually know how this works to give both sides that opportunity. But I wanted to just go back to at the beginning, you were talking about um, taking up space and how like somebody has to move to make room. Yes. Right. Where does that fit in this idea of like bridging the gap and you're doing this hand motion where you're bringing the two <laughs> pieces together. Right. <laughs> and so if you're bringing these two pieces together, where, where in that process is the space being made for people? Okay, so it, it, there. This goes into what was, was going to be your third question about, you know, like oh, how. Well, cool. Is that with my dad? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> like, so yeah. let's. What was the question? Hold on. Okay. Then I'll I'll just go ahead and ask it. Okay. Great. So that your answer, Kristen, was great. Segway <laughs> to our next question. Um, as we think about the current climate of organizational culture and diversity, equity, and inclusion work, where do you see the focus for 2020 for organizations committed to developing? and increasing their commitment to attracting, hiring, developing, and retaining diverse talent and building inclusive cultures? Thank you. That's a wonderful question, Anne. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay. So I, I really do think um, if, if we're going to bring it back to, you know, what we just talked about, about bridging the gap, um, the, the gap is wider um, because I think our focus has been on the C-suite specifically, you know, and then also, oh, well, there's no women, there's no persons of color, there's no uh, otherly abled, uh, you know, there's no this. And, you know, we're still in a time where there's the first this, the first that, which is hella annoying for oh, our our. our Oh, hell That's yeah. Fine. Okay, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Which is kind of annoying, um, but we're I think... Gonna leave, we're going to leave the hella annoying in in the edit. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
but I think the shift, I think it's going to be a shift away from, um, or I am hopeful that it's going to be a shift away from just looking at those C-suite positions and the creation of these BS, DE&I executive roles that don't have any authority and any power to actually do anything but look pretty um, and, you know, put out a couple of statements because someone created, you know, a serious infraction on one group or another. Um, and then the need is gone once, you know, once things die down. I think that um, the biggest shift will happen. And I think that's what we're driving towards. Um, it's going to it's going to have to start and come back to recruiting and who we recruit. And not only that, what your recruiters, your recruiters need to be diverse as well. Um, if we're going to keep it 100, which I think the, the HR Wonder Women do, <laughs> We try. Any of these, conf- especially recruiting conferences, and you do like span the crowd, they are hella white, like hella white. And the speakers are generally hella white men who, you know, are probably my age, uh, maybe a little older, but there's a, de- a there's a definite visual type. Um, and then there's a definite um, message from all of them. And there are a lot of things that, you know, someone like me who's been doing this for 20 years as well, you know, I don't have the liberty, I don't have the liberty to, to do and say, and even show up. And I'm, and I mean, like, show up in terms of like, my bravado, like really like putting myself out there, like my bravado, or how I'm dressed, like I have to dress a certain way, like I want to, I want to wear t shirts to, uh, to meetings, I can't do that, you know, Men can, recruiter men can, um, and if we're going to continue to be honest, you know, all of your college recruiters don't have to be twenty-three-year-old white ladies. Yes, yeah, they don't. Yeah, I agree. Because okay, how do you look going to a diversity event? You're talking to people that you can't relate to, or that you can't understand, or who you're who you're bi- who you're so biased against, either consciously or unconsciously. Although you know my my dear friend Margaret Spence would say there's no such thing as unconscious bias. Um, and I'm, I, I tend to agree, but we're going to, you know, use the words that we have available to us. So, <laughs> you know, we have biases and, and, and if you're sending those same people out there to do the work, how is your, how, how is the shift going to happen? You know, like, how is that going to happen? Um, if you if you've already done a big push of diversity hiring, you know, how long has it been since you looked at those people and, and where are you in, you know, adding them to your succession plans? Where are you in developing them? Um, why are your why are all of your um, new hires or all your college hires leaving after two years? Why when it's time to riff people? Is it the the um, the black men that are the first to be? to be, to be rift. Like, why is that? You know, why aren't we talking about this? Why, when you're looking for the new hottest coder, you're, you know, looking for an Asian person, like, let's, let's be honest. Why are we doing this? And it, and it starts with recruiters and it starts with recruiters being, being honest and being open enough and, and really driving that change. Um, until that happens, we're going to keep seeing, you know, people, doing dumb stuff. And again, hiring a diversity and inclusion um, executive to, you know, make a statement and deliver a training or call someone in to do a training. And and then it's over with until the next time. And these things, if you notice, these things are happening closer and closer together. Like I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted with, with HR people, you know, thinking it's cute to dress up in blackface because no one's, no one's going to see me. That's some bullshit stuff. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's two things to that. One, we don't live in a world anymore where no one will see you. Like whatever you do, people people are going to see you. And second of all, so what if no one's going to see you? But that's the thing. That's the thing. No, that that's what a lot of us are still, you know, are still um, are still banking on. You know that no one's going to no one's going to call us out on our bias. And when we do, we're either going to, we either have a chance to learn and grow or we can get defensive. You know, even me, like, like I said, like I I will call myself the most marginalized, but I've got work to do in other areas too. You know, I'm not, 
I am not perfect. You know, I have to really think about, okay, is this the right word? You know, is this going to offend? Is this going to be offensive to someone? You know, I take it, take an opportunity to, to learn more about things that are and people that are different than me. And then I also have to make space for the four people who have offended to grow. Like we can't just cancel them um, and say, oh, you did this and now it's over. But if I say, hey, you know, this is, this is how, this is how I see it through my lens. And you're still like, no, that's not, no, 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 no. Or worse, you take it back and you center yourself to try as a, as a means to maybe try to relate. But then what you really end up doing is making your experience more important and more valuable than mine, then, then that's when I'm like, okay, yeah, no, this conversation is not, is not going to happen. Um, I can point you to, you know, some books you can read. Sarah has a lovely list that she put out and God bless you. Good night or whoever, <laughs> Allah bless you. Um, universe bless you. Whoever blesses you, bless. let them because I'm not the one. Right. Right. <laughs> um, oh my gosh. There's so much in what you just said. I'm trying to figure out. I, know, I was like, like so I have I'm, a list over here. I'm like, okay, Kirsten, we're going to do FaceTime and wine later. Cause yes, um, yes, Okay. <laughs> so, I would love to come back to, right. So like talking about going to, um, talking about recruiters, talking about having diverse recruiters, um, Mm -hmm. who can relate to candidates, Mm -hmm. right. And all the work that an organization has to do, right. Because it would be very easy to say, well, we got, we got a recruiter who is a woman of color and therefore she's going to be able to go out and get us diverse candidates Check. Check, check and then like you talked about right and like people come and they only stay a short time and they keep turning over and they keep turning over how do you approach clients who come to you and indicate like <sighs> we want you because this is part of our brand new dni strategy and we think you would be a great face for our company and 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 that's okay. it and we've checked the box so yeah so what you just said is what i won't do and that's right. be face right. If, if, if you are being intentional, like you're going to, we're, we're going to have some courageous conversations and we're not, neither one of us are going to like everything the other person has to say or um, wants to do. You know, we have to come to a common ground and we have to remain respectful. But what I'm not going to do is be the face of something that I would not do. And, and I struggle with that a great deal. If I so if I am you know supporting a, a a an organization as you know that organization and not as Kirsten not as Trap Recruiter but like I am one hundred percent like representing that company and I know that company is full of it and I know that company does not have a, a commitment to diversity and I know that company's CEO um, has said things like. Um, we believe in diversity of thought when they when they were asked at a town hall meeting why are all the people on the poster white <laughs> right. and, and there was well there's a woman and you know we've got diversity is also diversity of thought like whoever told you to say that like punch them in the mouth um and there are certain and, and if i tell you, you know like you know what there's a better way to do this or there's a better way to say that um you know i, I have to be i have to be careful because i'm a strong i'm a strong proponent of not making other people responsible to not be discriminated against or not be treated um in an aggressive way or microaggressed um it's not my responsibility you know to change my name um because you can't pronounce it or let you call me something else that's, you know, oh, well, you know, because you don't care to learn my name. You know, I ask me, I will say it, you say it back to me and we'll figure it out. Now, if you really like, we just can't get it like, okay, then you'll be the person that, you know, calls me Catherine. Fine. Like I know who you're talking to, but I mean, that's a, that's an extreme. Cause my name's really not that hard, but there are some that, you know, are difficult for, you know, or some people will say they're difficult to say, and they're like, oh, well, can I just call you Cece? No, no, you can't. Um, or, you know, we know people to change their names on their resumes because they want to even be noticed. And again, I don't want to advise people to do that because, yeah, you might get in there. You might even get the interview. You might even get the job. But are you really going to be effective? Are you really going to be empowered? Are you really going to 
you know, make a mark for yourself there? Probably not. You're probably not going to have a good time. Yeah. So I, I, I have some, some difficulty with that and, and I don't really know how to, how to reconcile it, you know, but I, I tell people the honest truth and I say, you know, my experience may not be yours. You know, here are the details or ask the questions that are important to you in the interview. Ask them about diversity and what they're doing. You know, I noticed that this if they can tell you if they can tell you like, OK, well, yes, you're right. We have a problem here, but here's what we're going to do. And, and companies that are serious, they will do that. They will give you, you know, some assurance that you're not going to be, you know, their token. Wendy's yes, thinking about yes. something. You know, you're, you're touching on some things there with when you're, I think we're measuring the wrong stuff. And mm-hmm. because we're talking, you know, how many interviews can you get? Yeah, you're going to get a whole lot more interviews if everybody can pronounce your name. If you're named Wendy Bailey, <laughs> you're probably going to get more interviews than if you have a name that sound, sounds Black or sounds Asian or sounds Hispanic. Um, whether it is or not, um, you are, you know, I have, I have coworkers who have, you know, he, he talks about his weird name, but like you said, do you really want to work there? No. And then when, you know, when we come back as recruiters and as hiring managers and we start measuring numbers, we're just looking at numbers where we, we're not looking at the quality of the people that we're interviewing. Right. And I, and I always tell people to look at, at look at the point, you know, when we're doing measurements, look at where your failure look at where your true point of failure is is are they not being presented because that's what a lot of people say well there's just there's no avail the talent's not available you know but did you look right right or did you you know did you just post and pray you know (laughs) if you're not finding the talent that doesn't mean the talent isn't available it means you're not looking in the right or right or or you are presenting in such a way that people are not interested and Um, and then it's you know are, is it at the evaluation, like, are the recruiters giving it to you, but you're turning them away because your ignorant self went on LinkedIn and looked at their picture and did not want to hire them right? and did not want to bring them in. And I, and, and I, 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 I've had that experience specifically um, with someone, like I really tracked like who was, who that person was, who this person was, was interviewing. And, and I promise you, cause I'm not one of those people, you know, people think that recruiters go on your social media of every single candidate. I don't have that kind of time <laughs> to do that. If you don't answer me, I'm probably going to go look at your LinkedIn and say, Hey, what are you doing? Like, I'm going to probably, you know, little like low key stalk you like not if I really want you, you know, right. if I'm really interested in talking to you, um, I'm going to go look, but I'm not, but I'm not using that as a way to, to X you out. You know, I'm not using that as a way to, to say why I don't want to, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes I'm looking at it as a way that I want to, I have come to the point where just like you guys asked for my, asked for my pronouns, if a person doesn't have it on their LinkedIn or they don't have it on their resume, I will say they, or I will use their name. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't identify for people anymore. I just won't do it um, because I don't want to get to a situation where they're like, I want to see three women, four black people, and you know, you know, um, one person and a veteran. And I'm like, no, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's not that's not how we're doing because we know that even when I send you those things, you're still going to hire who you want to hire. Let's not do this. Let's not pretend. Let's not waste anyone's time. And I, and I, I try my best to, to submit diverse slates, but that's not always possible. You know, like, let's be honest. There are some professions that just don't have a, you know, that they're just not hidden for everybody, especially young people. Like some of us, like young people don't want to sit, you know, in a cubicle all day long, some of them. I don't think anybody wants to sit in a cubicle all day long. I think there's just like a generation of people who were told like that's just what you got to do. <laughs> I don't think anybody has ever said. Or I, I call it a semi-private junior executive oh, suite. <laughs> if you want to make it, you know, make it fancy. <laughs> oh man, we could go on. We really could here, um, but I do want. I wanted to ask you about this because. You had shared it on social media um, that you sponsored a self-defense class for women. And that was just, that was very cool. So why is it important for you to sponsor community non-HR events? Well, I try to live my life in a way that everything comes back to HR. (laughs) 
<laughs> I know, like it's it's pretty bad. But you know, so that hit on a few things. Um, it's number one, um, my I, I do do a lot of um, of giving back, uh, whether it's mentorship through uh, things like. Um, year up, uh, whether it's a speaking engagement at, you know, inroads or something like that. Like I try to, or, or, you know, the vet initiative, veterans employment trajectory, you know, there are a lot of things that I try to do in the community that, that it's not even worth like boasting about, you know, and, you know, like on giving Tuesday, I made charitable contributions to organizations that were specifically, you know, targeted to, you know, either talent management, you know, re-entry, um, you know, helping marginalized groups get jobs, whatever the case may be. You know, I always try to tie it back into, you know, things that I am passionate about. And one of the things that I am passionate about is workplace safety and safety in general, especially for women. And for women who, you know, whose whose home lives are chaotic and, you know, are not safe, um, their sometimes work is their their hiding place. Sometimes work is their safe place. Um, and then again, you know, with me having experienced, um, you know, a loss of a job, especially for the folks that I that I counsel that I you know career counsel. The main thing I try to get to, you know, regardless of the amount of time that they have that they've been, um, you know, looking for work, the the number one thing that ties them all together is their confidence. A lot of times, their confidence um, is is shaken and their confidence is broken because they don't feel, you know, safe. They don't feel financially safe. They don't feel um, mentally safe. You know, they they just don't feel like themselves. And this type of physical activity, you know, that that, you know, self-defense like builds confidence and it, you know, it gives these, you know, a woman who, like I said, is maybe, or, or even a man, you know, someone who's experienced experiencing domestic violence at home or, you know, they're, you know, the person that's terrorizing them knows where they work, you know, at least they have something where they can say, you know what, when I leave out of here, I feel physically safe. And I, you know, I know everything's okay because they may not have someone who is there to to stand in the gap for them. They may not have someone who watches them. And I don't know if either you and you or Wendy saw this um, a little, a year and a half ago um, when, you know, I was getting into my, when I had gotten into my rhythm of working from home, um, you know, I would walk in my, you know, general area every morning and, you know, go to a coffee shop, you know, sometimes do work there, sometimes not, but I would see the same people all the time. And, you know, this one gentleman, we had never spoken, but, you know, we were, we were coffee, we were coffee house friends because, you know, he saw me and, you know, you know, Hey, we would speak and, and that was it. But it turned out that one morning someone was following me and I didn't recognize, and I didn't know that because I walked into the shop as this person was walking out and here I am, you know, trying not to make judgments because this person looked like a serial killer. Um, if I'm going to be honest, like the way that they were dressed, I was like, <laughs> and then, you know, like I have on headphones blasting rap music and I look very young when I, you know, am dressed down mm -hmm. and I'm like, he, this person wouldn't hold the door for me. So I'm like, you're a racist and, and you look like a serial killer. <laughs> And Meek Mill just told me to tell you something not very nice. So whatever. So I walk into the place, you know, a little bit like, and then I get in line. I'm like, Kirsten, don't be like that. You're a recruiter. You're supposed to be nice to everybody. Don't judge a book by its cover. Cool. So as I'm sitting there, this person must have come back in. Now he's behind me and um, just sitting there, sitting in a chair and in line. And I'm like, hmm, what's going on? So then I'm thinking, again, I'm not thinking it's about me. I'm like, he's stalking one of these workers, you know? I'm like, mm -hmm. he's he's here to do some harm. And I'm like, so I'm looking at the people that are coming in and I'm making eye contact with some people and like one other black woman looked at me and I'm like, mm, yeah, I know. Like, <laughs> you know, we do that, what's happening thing. And this person would leave. So again, I felt uncomfortable and I'm like, if something jumps off in here, I was like, I'm not the one, I'm going outside. So I went outside and I sat for a second because I wasn't ready to go home. And the gentleman that I that I know from the coffee shop comes outside and says, I want to, he's like, get in my car. I don't feel safe with you here. And he explained to me that the guy had been in there earlier, but when I came, he came back in, he had been watching me and he had, you know, 
been doing whatever. He was like, and I'd feel more comfortable if you left. So now here I was having to make a decision. And I'm like, well, I because I'm again, I can walk home. And he's like, absolutely not. <laughs> you know, so I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to take a picture of your license plate and I'm going to send it to, you know, to these people. I want people to know where I am. And in the course of us, you know, I was like, and you can't drop me off at home, drop me off, you know, up the street at the corner, you know, I'll walk the rest of the way. Or actually I told him drop me off at the mall. I was like, and I'll walk and I'll walk home. Because I, I was like, I don't know this guy, but it turns out, you know, like I had been going to his church for, you know, the year before and he was good friends with the people who introduced me to that church. And he was a deacon at that church and he was from Philadelphia. And like, we had this whole conversation and I'm like, yeah, this is like, you know, divine, you know, like thing, like he were right place at right time. And I'm like, what would have happened if he wasn't there? And not only that, I, it, it became apparent to me as a single woman, you know, that there is no one who is 100% unless it's situational looking out for my safety. Um, because, you know, I don't live with my parents anymore. You know, my father was, I have, didn't have that issue when I, you know, lived at home. You know, my I knew that I knew Claire called Clarence and Clarence take care of it. Or Clarence was always like, what time is Kirsten coming home? Where is she? What is she doing? Like he was always worried about my safety. You know, same thing, but there's no one who's 100% like always thinking about my safety unless it's situational. So it was important for me to do that because I know that there are people who, again, it's, it's situational and, or they're in a situation at home where, you know, they need to get out of that. Um, and again, we did some other things. Like I try to tie it into, um, into my business and into, you know, an HR recruiting focus. And I gave, we raffled off um, Minda's book um, to one of the, um, there were 40 participants. Um, I sponsored 10. And then, you know, we gave them the opportunity of like the first 10 people who, if they wanted the job search uh, worksheet or the resume remix worksheet that I would provide that free of charge. Um, Because like I said, like um, a job is a safety is a, is, is a safety mechanism for, for a lot of people. So it was important for me to do that and to tie into, to my friend's business that way. I, I loved it. I, I think, you know, it, 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 it's being involved in the community, which is, which is fantastic. And so I love, I love seeing that you, you were doing that. And since the conversation just keeps going and going and going here, it just, this really connects into our question connection as well, I think. Perfect. Um, and this is everyone's favorite part of the HR social hour, but we do have a different female um, twist and uh, we've kind of um, switched up the questions a little bit okay. um, going into 2020, but we do like to talk about networking because um, everyone does it a little bit differently. And so want to learn from people what's worked for them um, and how it's been effective for you. Networking is 100% um, the best skill um that you can have and the one that I work the hardest on um, because it is the it is something that touches every part of job seeking um, and every part of your career, like you're networking every single day um, in some way. So um, it's been a godsend for me. Without networking, I would not be on um, HR Wonder Women. <laughs> Without networking, I would not um, you know, have a good number of the opportunities that are presented to me. Um, and it's sometimes it's through, um, again, either a social network or a, you know, a personal network or even um, me sponsoring an event, you know, you never know who's going to show up somewhere um, or me going to an event, um, a free event, a um, even some that I pay for um, who you're going to meet there is, is you never know. Um, and just always being prepared and always being ready uh, to make a connection to either, you know, it's not always about you and what you can get from that person, but sometimes it's what you can give back. Um, and I'm always open to both of those um, variables. You know, uh, if it wasn't for networking, not only would you not be a guest on HR Wonder Woman, but HR Wonder Woman wouldn't even exist. Oh. That's how Wendy and I met. Um, so, you know, one of the reasons that we wanted to do this podcast is that we wanted to be able to amplify voices of women from traditionally underrepresented groups. And so just thinking about like networking and thinking about um, who is influencing us, 
who are some women from traditionally underrepresented communities that we should be following? So one um, I will mention is uh, a lady that I, that was the HR VP or HR director um, that I worked with years and years ago. Um, Her name is Daphne Lattimore. And she's sponsoring a conference this summer called um, Authenticity. But she does like workplace, she focuses on workplace productivity by, um, let's see, like basically through, um, sorry, management consulting um, and executive and and professional coaching. Um, And she's having a conference this summer called Authenticity 2020, which um, I'm going to be one of the speakers um, at in July. Um, And then you ask for more than one. So another person that I would highly recommend you follow is um, a young lady that uh, I went to undergrad with briefly, but she's a JMU grad, not a, a, a not a UR grad, uh, <laughs> Amanda Andary. <laughs> um, and she um, is the executive director of Funders Together. They are an organiz- a nonprofit organization um, that supports persons who are experiencing homelessness. Um, and she's phenomenal, <laughs> like phenomenal. <laughs> she's she's awesome, like Wonder Woman times a thousand. Um, so those are two people that I'm I'm, pro- I'm pretty sure you're probably not following that that you that not yet you should not yet. No, awesome. Yeah, love it. And I want to love, love to hear more about that conference too. Yeah, for sure. Um, Favorite movie that features a strong female cast? So cliche. Waiting to exhale. <laughs> Don't do me. Don't. <laughs> uh, you know what? I, I remember reading the book and then watching the movie and loving both of them, which is okay. rare to love both. But no. Yeah. I mean, like I wanted to say Annie, but only the second one because <laughs> you can really... Like you really could, or the Wiz, but yeah. If we're talking, you know, tradition, like real female cast, the ladies exhale. Perfect, great. Um, what about a favorite female musician or band? So that's all uh, subjective, and you know what I'm really um, what's going on in my life at the time. So today, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I know this, this, this like favorite question is really is. tough because I think. Favorite is in any given moment or in any given, um, yeah, in any given moment. So today, right now, today, your favorite female musician is a rapper named Rhapsody, and um, specifically her current or latest album called Eve came out in 2019, and it is literally like the soundtrack of my life, <laughs> mm. hands awesome. down. Yes. We'll be pulling that up. I've learned so much great music from this podcast. Um, okay. I, I'm very much one yeah. of those. I just go back to the same stuff all the time. So, you know, 70s um, AM type <laughs> music. Is I like what all music. To. I love yeah. all music. Yes. Yeah. Whenever anyone asks me, I like, I like good music. Yes. So there we go. <laughs> all right. Uh, favorite Fictional female character from a traditionally underrepresented community. I know this one's going to be hard. I'm going to take some liberties here. I'm going to take some liberties here uh, and say the whole cast of Living Single because it depends on who, on which group, what friend group I'm in, (laughs) is who I am. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So with the blog FFs, with, you know, with Sarah, Janine, and Tiffany, like, I am a Maxine Shaw attorney at law. Um, but in another group, you know, I might be Khadijah, you know, the entrepreneur. Um, in another group, I might be Regine, you know, the bougie hood rat with, you know, who is uh, very, you know, interested in what she has on and, you know, what man she's dating. Um, and then in another group... Um, probably maybe one um i might be <laughs> i might be sinclair you know the the sweet uh you know a little bit naive um doesn't really know that's probably with my what i call my ogs my older friends um that i'm there i'm there sinclair so yeah i love it okay i was actually okay. um recently one of the cable stations did a did a marathon and i hadn't watched that since the 90s Oh, and it was just 
yeah, it was on early and I was up by myself watching it. My husband gets up and he's like, what are you watching? <laughs> <laughs> the original the friends. Original friends. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. The original friends. Right. Yeah. Oh. right. Flashback. So, um, Next question is, what do you like to do outside of work? And we ask this because, um, yeah, partly because we're nosy, partly because, <laughs> yeah. but, but, but primarily we want to know because it's like, we need to see each other as whole people, right? So trap recruiting, like that's a huge part of your life and it's more than a job and it's more than a business, right? Like you've poured yourself into it and it's a lot of your identity, but it is not all of who Kirsten is. Right. And so we, we really believe that like when we, I hope it's not all that, like you've got something. You talked about the defense thing. You talked about like, you've got a lot of other stuff you've already shared. Um, but no, we like, we really believe that it's important um, for when thinking just about like equity and inclusion from a, from an interpersonal right. standpoint, right. We need to learn to see people as whole people and not just the role that they play in our organization. And so kind of modeling that, tell us something that you like to do outside of work. Most of the things I like to do outside of work are singular activities um, because I spend most of my day extroverted and I am not, I am an ambivert. So I will do Mm -hmm. um, jigsaw puzzles. I like to read. Um, I like to like pamper myself. You know, I do home facials and things like that. Um, Mm -hmm. I like to paint my own nails. um, And uh, I love to walk. Like I love, I think that it's cold Mm. right now in in Nova, but um, I love to walk and just be out with nature and and enjoying enjoying things. So yeah, singular activities. And I like to eat and drink. (laughs) (laughs) Why we get along. That's awesome. So finally, Kirsten, you know, we talked about a lot of hard things today. Um, A lot of, you know, a lot of what we talk about on HR Wonder Women makes people uncomfortable. And, you know, we, you know, it's hard. It's hard to talk about this stuff and and normalize the conversation. So our final question, though, is what gives you hope? So what gives me hope is that not only myself, but I'm seeing other people uh, my age stepping out of their comfort zone and embracing other ways of thinking, embracing other ways of doing and um, seeing the world and and playing their part and wanting to be a better human being. Um, I specifically take my inspiration from my nieces and nephews, my younger cousins, you know, my mentees who usually end up mentoring me more than more than they know and and just looking at how they navigate the world and are so young and already showing up as whole people with their minds made up and you know just open <laughs> and um that gives me hope that that this world is going to be a better place because of because of it I love that well, Kirsten, we that we've just this has just been awesome, um, and I'm I'm totally serious that we need to do just a Facetime and wine with. Um, it, there's something different about a conversation you know that's not recorded, <laughs> <laughs> or that you got kicked off of. Technical difficulties, all of that fun stuff, but. You know, I know a lot of our listeners are are connected with you, but I know there's probably some listening that aren't. Um, so tell us how our listeners can get in touch with you. I can be reached on all social media platforms um, at Trap Recruiter, T-R-A-P-R-E-C-R-U-I-T-E-R. <laughs> yes, I had to close one eye to spell recruiter. Um, <laughs> very hard word, very challenging. Um, yes. So yes, you can reach me at Trap Recruiter. Um, connect with me, LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, uh, Facebook. I don't, I have the Snapchat deal. I don't usually use that. I will not get on TikTok um, because <laughs> I don't know how. Um, but That's the Gen yeah. Xer talking right there. I'm not interested. Isn't that the old musically? Kind of, yeah. Yeah, no thanks. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so that's how you get in touch with me. Looking forward to, to talking to you guys. Um, interacting with you. I do I do write back. Um, you might not like what I have to say, but... <laughs> but I will write you back. Awesome. And we will put all of, well, maybe not all of that. We'll put your links in the show notes. Um, <laughs> how about you, Anne? 
you can find me at um, you can certainly find me on LinkedIn. You can probably find me on Facebook, but the place that I um, hang out the most is Twitter. Um, it's at a n n e t o m k. Um, I uh, am private on Instagram. It is basically just I'm just there to see my grandbabies. Never mind me TikTok. I'm not even trying Snapchat. I'm like, I'm going to embrace the boomer. Like I've got as enough social media as as far as I'm going to go. So please find me on Twitter. Okay, I would boomer. Love to Well, if I like for me, uh, Twitter, yes, I, I, that is, uh, that is where I live and breathe, um, on social media, um, Wendell 93. You can also find me on my blog, mydailyjourney.com. Uh, please don't forget to rate, review, and share this episode with others to spread the word about HR Social Hour and HR Wonder Women. And I do want to encourage you all to join us the second and fourth Sunday of each month for the uh, HR social hour Twitter chat. We meet on Twitter at 7 PM Eastern time. Um, We've got some great stuff planned for 2020. So please, please, please join us. Um, Thank you all for listening. Uh, Thank you so much, Kirsten. This was just a phenomenal conversation. I am just totally blessed to have been here tonight. Thank you, Anne, as always for joining me and being my co-host. And for the HR social hour, half hour podcast, this is Wendy. Now, go tell your story.